Hi, I'm Edwin. And I'm Andrew. Two men. Fifteen minutes. Eternal impact. Welcome to Text Talk. His glory I will see. I will empty. Hey, Andrew. Hi, Edwin. We're talking about Psalm 2 this week. We've had a couple of conversations. Today, I'm thinking in terms of of uh, not just kind of devotional application, though I, I'm sure we'll get into that. I, I'd like to talk a little bit about just some of the aspects of studying the Psalms as demonstrated here in Psalm 2. I want to go ahead and read this. Okay. Psalm 2, English Standard Version. Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, Let us burst their bonds apart and cast away their cords from us. He who sits in the heavens laughs. The Lord holds them in derision. Then he will speak to them in his wrath and terrify them in his fury, saying, As for me, I have set my king on Zion, my holy hill. I will tell of the decree. The Lord said to me, You are my son. Today I have begotten you. Ask of me, and I will make the nations your heritage and the ends of the earth your possession. You shall break them with a rod of iron and dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. Now, therefore, O kings, be wise, be warned, O rulers of the earth, serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the sun, lest he be angry and you perish in the way, for his wrath is quickly kindled. Blessed are all who take refuge in him. So uh, the thing I'm thinking about that I want to talk with you about today, Andrew, in this idea of studying the Psalms is the multiple layers, the multiple levels that many Psalms have, especially Psalms like this one. This is what we would call a royal Psalm, a kingship Psalm. It's it's about the king, God's king, whom he has set up. Of course, we've talked about that in the earlier days of this week, talking about the Lord's anointed. Sure. And what becomes really easy for us to do is we're Christians. We know who the ultimate king is. We know who this was pointing to. Mm-hmm. And to skip an entire step of studying the psalm by just jumping to Jesus yeah, and recognizing him, which that's utterly important. Well, sure. I, I, I mean, don't want the apostles s- make a lot of this psalm. So. I don't want to skip that step either, but I'd like to back up and see that when we're reading the psalms, one of the first things I think we need to do is ask, all right, what did this mean when it was written? Yeah. Because I don't think that there was anybody when David wrote this that was saying, awesome, one of these days, this psalm will apply. <laughs> well, I think that's you know I think that's a fair observation about a lot of um, predictive prophecy in the Psalms and and some yeah. of the other prophets. Yeah. So when the Psalm was originally written, we said the other day David wrote it. Peter yeah. points that out. It was about David. Yeah. It was yeah. about David as the Lord's anointed. It was about David as the king of Israel. And it was about those Gentile nations around him and what they needed to hear. This is this is actually a message, even though it's in Hebrew scripture, this really is a message for the Gentile nations around Israel. We know God was communicating to them at times. You remember the story of Jonah? Was Jonah was about Nineveh and Nahum also is about Nineveh. So God had communication with Gentile nations. And this psalm is to them. Kings, you kings around David, let me tell you what you need to do. It's not originally, it wasn't originally, one of these days there's going to be a real king, you need to submit to him. Right. It's right now, David is the king. He is Yahweh's king. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He is on Yahweh's holy hill. He mm-hmm. is in Zion. And you've got an option. You can either curse him and you can go against him or you can kiss him and you can give your allegiance to him. If you curse him and you go against him, you're going to be cursed. If you bless him, 
you're going to be blessed. Which, by the way, ties this into the promise that God gave to Abraham. Mm, All those who bless you will be blessed. And we see that happening throughout the history. And this is a continuation of that. Now that David is set up as king, God's king, he's saying, look, nations, you either surrender to the king I've established in Israel or you're going to be in trouble. In fact, let me show you this. 2 Samuel chapter 8. This is, I think this is super cool. In 2 Samuel chapter 8, we actually see both sides of this. In 2 Samuel chapter 8, beginning at verse 3, David also defeated Hadadezer, the son of Rehob, king of Zobah, as he went to restore his power at the river Euphrates. And David took from him 1,700 horsemen, 20,000 foot soldiers, and David hamstrung all the chariot horses, but left enough for 100 chariots. And when the Syrians of Damascus came to help Hadadezer, king of Zobah, David struck down 22,000 men of the Syrians. Then David put garrisons in Aram of Damascus, and the Syrians became servants to David and brought tribute. And the Lord gave victory to David wherever he went. David took the shields of gold that carried by the servants of Hadadezer and brought them to Jerusalem. And from Beta and from Barathai, cities of Hadadezer, King David took very much bronze. So here's here's the king that's raging against the Lord and is anointed. And what happens to him? Hadadezer? Hadadezer, Hadadezer, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, that guy. What happens to him? From Zobah. From Zobah. Defeated, destruction, cursing. Yeah, killed okay. his horses too. But now let's look on this other side. Verse 9. I'm still in 2 Samuel 8. When Toy, king of Hamath, heard that David had defeated the whole army of Hadadezer, Toy sent his son Joram to King David to ask about his health and to bless him because he had fought against Hadadezer and defeated him. For Hadadezer had often been at war with Toy, and Joram brought with him articles of silver, of gold, and of bronze. These also King David dedicated to the Lord, together with the silver and gold that he dedicated from all the nations he subdued, from Edom, Moab, the Ammonites, the Philistines, Amalek, and from the spoil of Hadadezer, the son of Rehob, king of Zobah. And David made a name for himself. You know, isn't it interesting? What he's basically saying is, look, my king on his holy hill, he's going to get the gold. He's going to get the silver. Mm -hmm. He's going to get the tribute. It's either going to happen because you're going to kiss the son and you're going to give allegiance to him and you're going to pay homage to him and bring this to him voluntarily, nor it's going to happen because you're going to curse him and, well, then we're just going to take it from you. But we see both sides of that. It's, It's about David in that original context. You nations around Israel, Kiss God's son, the anointed king of Israel, or you're going to be in trouble. So that's interesting, uh, you know, and, and I don't know that we could know for sure, but I almost wonder if it would make more sense for this psalm to be written after all those exploits, because then you've actually got nations under the rule of David and the anointed uh, to conspire to overthrow him. Well, uh Either way, whenever it was written, the principle being that there was that original application to David. There was that original application to his um, life and circumstance. To his life and his circumstance. This was a message to the Gentile nations. You better submit. You better surrender to the Son of God, that is his king, that is on the throne in Israel. As God says to David about David and his children, they will be sons to me. They will Mm -hmm. be sons to me, and I will be as a father to them. Okay, so I just want to point out, as I'm studying a psalm, I need to back up and figure out what did it mean in that original context. As much as we can. That sounds good. But now there's the second step. And this is the one that that we often jump to. And so I may not 
we may not need to talk as much about that, but we do need to realize, especially in these royal psalms, there was an ultimate application. Yeah, and the prophetic element. Which you've brought up already from Acts 2 as the apostles applied it. The apostles recognized, okay, wait a minute. If this was true of David, how much more is it true of Jesus? Yeah. Well, even as you were talking about that, um, the way of David's exploits here and uh, this conquering. And I like how you put that, that these uh, Gentiles, uh, nations, they, they had a choice. They could either humble themselves and kiss the ring and bow the knee and recognize God's authority, or they don't, and they'll still be humbled by him and recognize his authority. And I think about uh, Jesus Christ and how he is described in Philippians about his willingness to humble himself to the point of death and even death on the cross, but then to be glorified by the Lord for it, by his death and his resurrection and ascension. In Philippians 2 and verse 9, Therefore God has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of those in heaven, of those on earth, and of those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is the Lord to the glory of God the Father. Every. No one is excluded from that. There is a choice to recognize the Lord and his anointed in Jesus Christ. Bow your knee, obey him, serve him as his people. Yet, yeah, or don't, but you will, because he will come back triumphant and judge. Well, think about this. Okay, now, so now we've got third application. Mm-hmm. So there, there's the initial application. Let me see what it meant in the life of David or in the life of the author at that time in Israel's history when it was written. Now, as it looks forward, as all Scripture does, pointing to Jesus and finds its ultimate fulfillment there, I have that application. Mm-hmm. Jesus is mm-hmm. the Son. Kiss the Son. He's the anointed. Surrender to him. Well, now let's take, okay, but what about my life? Now, what does this mean for me as I'm trying to apply the message? Going through those filters, here's where it was for David. Here's where it is now that Jesus is here. All right, what, what, what comes into this now? And having walked through that process, here's something I can grasp, a really practical application. Yeah. You've got those two kings, Hadadezer mm-hmm. and Toy. Mm-hmm. You know, both of them gave gold and silver to David. David was able to take the, the tribute from all of those nations and put it in honor of his God. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One of them came and did it willingly. Mm-hmm. One of them did it and coming, giving allegiance to David. I am, I am going to be your subordinate nation. I'm supporting you. I'm serving you. I'm giving my allegiance to you. The others tried to hold it back. The others tried to hold back that tribute. And instead of blessing David and giving allegiance to him, and it got taken from them. Mm-hmm. So here's a very practical application in my life. Anything I try to hold back from God, eventually it's going to get taken from me. Whoa. Anything that I try to hang on to and and this I'm going to control this. I'm not going to give this allegiance to the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm not going to hand this over to him to be in control of. Eventually that's going to get taken from me. And I think about what Jesus said to Martha when she was so upset about Mary. Oh, don't you care that she's not helping me? And Jesus' statement was, Martha, Martha, you are worried and bothered by so many things. Mary has made the good choice. That will not be taken from her. Yeah. Everything Martha was focusing on and holding on to in that moment, what Jesus was pointing out is, look, that's, that's going to get taken. That's going to get taken from you. So here's the choice. Here's the choice. I, as you pointed out, I am going to confess Jesus as Lord. Yeah. I am going to bow the knee. 
Yeah. Everything that is mine is going to become his. It can happen in one of two ways. It can either happen because I give my allegiance to him voluntarily Mm -hmm. or It'll happen because I've tried to hang on to it and, and hold on to my own little fiefdom and my own little kingdom and build up my own walls of defense. Yeah. And, and he's going to come through and take it. That's, that's the way it's going to be. And when I walk through this process of looking at how the psalm applied in that original context and then how it f- is fulfilled ultimately in Jesus, that's when I can truly get the proper application for me. And so I just, uh, I'm, I'm glad we've gotten to spend a little bit of time just talking about kind of walking through a study process for these Psalms. I, I hope that's helpful. I know it's always helped me. How about we wrap up with a word of prayer? Absolutely. Our great God and Father, Lord, we thank you so much for this day, the time to have devotion together, to consider uh, not only a great message about our need to surrender to you, uh, all that is precious to us because you are worth more. Uh, but how we get there, Lord, and uh, very practically, Father, thank you for this time that's uh, refreshed us and how we ought to approach your word, uh, giving it the respect and the time that it is due. I pray your blessings upon all those who are listening to the podcast today. May we walk in your word and bring glory to your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks for talking about the text with us today. I'm Edwin Crozier, and I'd like to invite you to join the Christians Who Meet on Livingston Avenue this Sunday for our Bible classes and worship. You can find out more at christiansmeethere.org. Check out our daily written devotional that goes along with today's episode. You can find a link for it in our show notes. Michael Eldridge wrote and sang all four parts of our theme song. You can get more from him at acapeldridge.com. Remember to subscribe, rate, and review our podcast so others can learn about it more easily. Have a great day.